Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Lay Film. Uh, today it's a bit of a laid back episode, which is your friends hanging out, talking about nothing. Uh, but we're absent, one friend. And that is Tyler. He's currently working to make a living. So uh, it's just a little short, fun side episode with me, Patrick. And Kevin. I'm Richie, aka Rich Lehelmy. And yeah, we're just going to shoot the shit. Who's first? Well, I... My Neon Genesis Evangelion experience has officially come to an end with the fourth movie coming out, along with the other movies from the Rebuild series on Amazon. And uh, let me just say that I was depressed. (laughs) For like a few days after watching it, um, which is odd considering the way the movie ends. Like, um, I don't know. Like, it's a very poignant experience, and it feels so strange to be on the other side of the journey, uh, knowing that it's actually fully come to a close. And I. Like, we've talked about it a bit before, like, um, setting up a, a, like, a side, like, little side series of, um, going through the rebuilds, or, Pat, like, what do you think about, like, what was it, like, we were doing, like, show, or, uh, the actual, uh, original series, or, or what was it? Uh, I was just, like, a way to show each other stuff without it being, like, structured like our current episodes, like, it could be, like, we could do Sopranos episodes. We could do like for someone who hasn't seen anything. Like I'd be down to do the rebuilds again. Mm-hmm. Just like one-off episodes for each one of those that isn't a part of our film continuity of reviews. Like it wouldn't count towards. That's just my theory. Just like we could show each other shows or episodes. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, but yeah, I I really want to do the. I really want to do that for each movie of the rebuild series, just because it kind of captures the beginning and goes off and does its own thing. And um, I don't know. I feel like it would be a really great uh, way to reflect on the show. And I am just bursting at the seams to talk about the movie, but I'm not going to um, other than what I've already said before. (laughs) But I'm, I'm coming out of it with a much better perspective after, like, a few days of, like, thinking on it. And I have, like, come to terms with end, with the end of it because it's so bittersweet. But it's making me want to embrace life, which, you know, it's, it's just, like, a further reminder, too, I should say. And I think that uh, it's it might take a while, but it's, like, right up there with End of Ava for me. Okay. Which is saying a lot. <laughs> That's all. I'm sold. If it's near end of Ava levels, I am down to go through all four again. All three and then the fourth. Yeah, what's been going on with you all? Um, <clears throat> well, I just want to say, yeah, I'm totally open to join in on that sidebar discussion for us to introduce each other to uh, like other shows or content that we don't normally get to talk about on our like lay film continuity episodes i think that'd be very interesting to dive into totally i just want to say i'm totally like intrigued by that idea i know that's something that patrick mentioned before so yeah i think with this whole new setup that we're going for um it gives us more flexibility to try that yeah and um just to um just to uh inform everyone like this is a entirely new setup for us we're all doing a, re- a remote recording from home and we're doing this like with the hopes of being able to have more flexibility in terms of recording and also having more guests on in the future 
So, yeah, um, exciting times for us. Yeah, this is literally the first test. Live. <laughs> this could be horrible and not be released. <laughs> that is a very real possibility. <laughs> uncut, uncensored. Unreal. <laughs> but yeah, what have you been up to, Patrick? Uh, shoot, what have I been up, up to? I've been applying for a lot of jobs. Uh, I've been watching Harry Potter for the first time with my girlfriend, Holly. Uh, as a kid, I watched the first two. I never watched the rest because I was relentlessly bullied for looking like Ron Weasley. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that really soured my taste in the whole franchise. And so far, we've only watched the first two movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So is so Holly going to bully you? No, no. I'm, I'm essentially where I am. Wait, where I am now is where I've always been. But uh, they're pretty good movies. I really like the first one still. The second one's like more like a little kid movie kind of. Like the looming threat is that they're going to get sent home from school. Even though like people are going to die also as a result. But the big thing is like, oh, but school will be closed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, yeah, there's, just, there's like weird moments where they overemphasize. Yeah, if he opens the Chamber of Secrets, the Mudbloods will die. And then the school will be closed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I have a few thoughts on that. Um, I used to read Harry Potter like in elementary school. And it got to the point where I felt like each word that I was reading, I just could not even comprehend because of like how dense the the books were. Like, I got up to, I want to say, The Order of the Phoenix, and I got about, like, a quarter of the way into it, and I just completely dropped off from the series, and that was, like, back in, like, the fifth grade, and I just have, like, no, I have zero knowledge of everything afterwards, but, um, and then the second thing was, like, I was just talking about Harry Potter earlier, and, like, um, what, um, what... I guess on-screen thing that they show that I would genuinely want above all else and that was the cloak of invisibility like don't even give me a wand don't give me like the nimbus don't give me like nothing I just want the invisibility cloak <laughs> yeah I'd want the cloak too for nefarious reasons <laughs> Sneak into a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Although the downside is that if you get bumped by anybody, oh, yeah. <laughs> it'd be. Or what if it shrinks? What if it shrinks after washing it? Yeah, you can't clean it. It smells musty. <laughs> like everywhere you go, <laughs> you can't see how dirty it is. True. <laughs> Unless you take it off, I guess. <laughs> Or, like, what if, like, it gets burnt and, like, there's just, like, patches in it? It's oh, like, no. you, you, like, you can't patch that ever again. Like, after there's a hole in it, like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can only think of very dirty stuff now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, more wholesome stuff. Uh... <laughs> You cut a hole in it, right? And you just put your head through it. It used to oh be a floating head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to um, mention, too, about, like, our new setup, too, is that um, we reached out on our Instagram, which, if you aren't following it, and you have an Instagram, our username is uh, Layfilm Podcast. So if you want to follow us there, you you absolutely can. Like, go for it. Um, if not, no worries, but that's where we usually post a lot of our updates. But um, we put out a poll asking people um, who are fans of the podcast to see if they were interested in coming on in future episodes. And the way that we, I mean, the way that we have done it in the past is 
where whenever we have a guest, they choose a movie for all of us to watch, and then we discuss it afterwards. Um, but yeah, uh, anyone who responded to it, we it's so nice of you. Like, it means a lot. I mean, to me personally, um, and I'm sure to everyone else too, that uh, anyone's even interested in being on the show. Like, I just think that it's so great that we even got any responses. Like, I was only expecting, like, maybe one or two people to respond. But we got, like, a quite a few people who were interested in it. So, um, for those people and for anyone else who's interested in, in it, um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, and we'll get to you in due time. But for anyone else who is listening to this and is interested, you can... Uh, either DM us on our Instagram or you could write into us through email at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or even if you just want to send us like whatever, like who cares? Like, uh, it's there if you want it. So yeah, that's just my, my two cents on the subject. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And, 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 um, everyone can find the contact information and, in our description for the most part so if you can't find it you know our email and our instagram should be in the description so should we but move yeah. on wait what were you gonna say richie oh, i was just gonna say um with that being said uh i've been watching a couple of things too or i don't know i mean pat uh I don't think we got to finish up your thoughts on Harry Potter. I'm still are watching you, it, so it's not finished. Are you going to continue past <laughs> yes, the Chamber yeah. of Secrets? I have a Will new appreciation for go Ron. go back to school? <laughs> you have a new appreciation for Ron? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, he's the ginger, ginger best friend that they wrote out of most contemporary films. They've been, they're not allowed anymore. It's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like okay we've had the best now let's move on to other things is that is that what it is or i, I think that's else? what it is because it was like in the 90s and 80s it was kind of common and uh harry potter was like the last hurrah for the ginger best friend archetype <laughs> dang i'm trying to think of like the ginger best friend archetype like characters superman had one mm-hmm. oh yeah jimmy olsen yeah yeah who else was there it's like a. I've seen it explained as like a a sign of progression towards diversity and welcoming more crowds. Because like it used to be, we can't have the friend character be the same as the black-haired, blue-eyed main lead or blonde-haired, blue-eyed main lead. But we don't want anything too scary for the American populace, so give them red hair. <laughs> <laughs> and freckles. Yeah. So they kind of, I guess we're growing very slowly. Yeah. How do you all feel about that subject? Like, um, with colorblind casting? Uh, what's... Like, I, like, for me, like, whenever I write stuff, like, for scripts and whatnot, like, I don't really even have a, like, if, if I know someone who I would think would be good for the role, like, I have them in mind for it, but usually, like... I just, like, write a character, and then whoever, like, best fits it, I'm like, okay, like, go for it. Like, even with gender and stuff, too. Like, because, like, the last thing I worked on, I was like, oh, you know, like, this character could easily go anyway. Like, whoever fits it best is, like, that's that has my vote. Like, I don't know. I think that that's, like, a very, like, that's just my own take on it. Um... But, I mean, like, sometimes I come across things where you can easily tell that, like, they lean into it of, like, trying to be, like, very diverse, but with, like, kind of, like, a kind of not with the right intention, you know? Like, it's very obvious and, like, distracting. Whereas, like, you know, like, they write, like, the like the, the best friend who's, like, a POC, and then they don't ever give him, like, a character arc. Or anything like that. Like, they're just there as, like, a supporting character. Whereas, like, in other pieces, it's like, oh, here's, like, some room to grow. And, like, show you show everyone that you're an actual human being. Just like everyone else. I think uh, the scariest example, not of it, but, like, I think it's important to be neutral unless the 
over arc of the story, the arch of the story, calls for like certain roles or certain characters. Like you can't have certain characters play not certain roles, but like you can't do a film about the Black American experience with like a Asian or white lead or mm-hmm. even Hawaiian lead. You know, you can touch on the similar themes, but it has like if you're doing a film like that or about the female experience or transgender experience, but you're using a male actor. Like I get for stuff like that, I think it should be specific. Mm-hmm. Like it, but, it, um, like it gets me. Like uh, the thing that I think about with it is like the latest like Avatar rendition that's happening with Netflix. Like I see mm-hmm. like so many people like getting butt hurt over like the casting choices for it. For me, uh, what's that? There's the most evil version I've seen of like Hollywood doing it. Is uh, is it Brigginton or? Bridgerton. Bridgerton. You guys heard of that? Bridgerton? Is that the show? Bridgerton. I've heard of the show. I don't know um, the controversy or anything behind that. There's no controversy expressly, I think. I think it's like, but it's, I use it as an example. I've seen other people argue that it's like, this is one of the more conspiracy stuff, but it's a, uh, they're taking this, they're taking the, the signaling and the positive connotations of diversity and acceptance of other cultures and people, but they're placing it in like uh, nobility in the 18 or 1700s, 1600s, maybe even. Oh, I see so, what you mean. Yeah. So there's like, I've seen people arguing like, this is like the, you know, they're normalizing like, what's the word for ah, divine rule, like the higher caste systems. Mm-hmm. They're integrating that into pop culture under the skies and signaling of positive virtues and accepted normals, norm- normalities that are good. Like, oh, yeah, it's good to be diverse. It's good to ha- be accepting. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, but look, we have a diverse set of nobles that do prima noctra or whatever. Prima nocta. It's like, no, like those structures are inherently evil, regardless of who's filling those roles. It's like a separation to be ruled of others. Mm-hmm. That's just my thing of like, I think it's important to be colorblind and neutral, but like it's going so far, not going so far, but like there's already like evil stuff being done, I feel. I'm not saying you can't have that, but like. I I guess for me, I guess my take or my answer to that question is kind of like this is it just depends, you know, um, Man, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, well, say Wes Anderson, for example. Oh, his films and the way he. I'm sorry. Right, I thought I thought you'd jump on the the Isle of Dogs controversy. Oh yeah, I'm gonna mention that very briefly. Um, but I'm saying like, I think when it comes to his casting, he doesn't necessarily do colorblind casting. He just works with the same people over again. Um, but like. Yeah, like I said, when it comes to the like Isle of Dogs casting, when he's setting that story in Japan, or um, yeah, I just heard the behind the scenes. I I don't know if it's drama, but like he did cast one person who was Japanese to help him with the story, and that was that. And for the most part, everyone else was just cast as like mostly non-Japanese like mostly white actors and actresses to voice which is I mean I guess that's fine at all but like uh, based on the experience of the Japanese um, I believe it was a writer to help with it did not sound like a positive experience and it seemed like he he was more so there as a t- than anything um yeah. And I guess based on like the interviews, their name. But they said it was like very uncomfortable as a consultant and whatnot. Um, I don't know. It just depends, I guess, on the context. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be very obvious when it comes to certain agendas or sociopolitical like commentary on, on some things that like could make it work. If it's way too obvious and it's too, so on the nose that you're literally trying to make some kind of protest against something, 
And sometimes I feel like the, that that doesn't necessarily work. But um, like what Patrick said, you know, like you can't cast just anybody to be a lead of like, you know, if you're trying to speak about the the African-American experience, you can't just cast like you can't do a colorblind casting. Um, that would just defeat the purpose of like the theme and what you were trying to go for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know casting like emma stone to play a half hawaiian like half chinese <laughs> person uh i guess that's colorblind casting that's done wrong <laughs> yes yes um think- yeah i like a ghost in the shell with scarlett johansson oh my god yeah, yeah that, was, that was like an infamous one wasn't it yeah it was, it's a great one because it's like are they doing like a commentary about like western beauty standards and like the artificialization of the body like you could like people already do get plastic surgery in certain regions of the world to look more western or white so i was like right. are they doing a commentary like that and it's like oh no they're just like using star power to push the yeah. movie that they don't really mm-hmm. I, maybe the director cared but like the whole script just was so watered down everything was not good oh although that i mean that is somewhat reasonable for why they did that because like it is already hard to draw a mass audience to go see Ghost in the Shell, a live action version, because most yeah. people don't even know what Ghost in the Shell is. And if you're doing a live action, it's, it costs a lot of money, first of all. It costs, you know, over a hundred million probably to, to make that movie. And it's hard to make all that money back for, um, for an IP that's really hard to sell in the first place. But, you know, yeah, the casting was tough. It's like they could have done it if the script like met the level of like oh it's the script was like addressing that stuff tongue in cheek within the narrative, which you could do in that setting like the cyberpunk settings like built in, but they just kind of did like a vague you're the chosen one slash I don't know it's just a unique one that I like to that's like the one that go comes to my mind. <laughs> but I mean yeah it is a slippery slope though when it comes to colorblind casting because. It's hard to say, like, Dallas Buyers Club, Jared Leto playing a transgender character. Like, I don't see as many people complain about that, and he also won an Oscar for it, but, like, am I here to say, like, he shouldn't have played that character, or I don't know, should... Uh, It's hard to say. I I feel like it depends, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, should we always just get someone who is deaf? To play deaf characters, should Riz Ahmed not play the lead in um, uh, that drummer movie, um, uh, Sound of Metal? You know, mm-hmm. uh, even though he trained really hard and he really submerged himself into that role, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's slippery slope. Like it's, I don't think it's a black and white thing. Yeah, it's it's a really hard discussion to have see and like that alone like i feel that these types of discussions are very important to have purely for that moral gray area because when people just go into every single like different subject or like different terrain and have this mindset where they're they have sort of a blueprint going into it. I think that that's where it becomes problematic as opposed to treating every single situation as its own situation, you know? Like not, like pulling what you can from past experiences, but also not letting it dictate how you proceed with it in the future, you know? Right. If that that makes sense. and I don't know. I think that you just have to be mindful about this sort of stuff. Like if you're if you're casting like like I mean if you're shooting a movie about like the Inuit tribes in in like the 1800s, like you aren't gonna cast like you aren't gonna have yeah you aren't gonna have Matt Damon play like the lead <laughs> role. Like I mean obviously like the go-to is like the Last Samurai. With, like, Tom Cruise, like, playing, like, the lead role. But, like, um, 
I don't know. Like, I'm enjoying this discussion, but um, I have another question for you both. Um, what are your stances on piracy in terms of in in terms of um, viewing movies for it for like the individual experience? I I don't necessarily well to put it blatantly I don't pirate movies anymore like I used to do that as a kid growing mm-hmm. up in middle and high school but that's just because I didn't have the resources to watch the movie that I wanted to watch back then um, you know being a film aficionado being like a film nerd I would seek out movies that like were really hard to find in the first place and um, I feel like growing up and getting older and being more mature that films should be supported because it is a, an art more so than entertainment in my opinion some people may not think that but at the end of the day a lot of it is a lot of it is being chipped away as art like people are seeing it more and more as entertainment now and i think the more that we pirate stuff the more we're getting closer to like commercialized film mm-hmm. in my opinion i don't know if if piracy is a big part of that um i'm, I'm sure it's more rapid now today than ever before um, but my stance is i'm just gonna pay money for the movies that I watch, you know, whether it's the theaters or at home, I rent something. Uh, for the most part, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, pay for it. But if it's hard, I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, every now and again, very rarely do I uh, seek out some kind of like copy of a film that like it's so rare, you know, like you can't find, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in like, I don't know, Taiwan or something like it's hard. It's hard being film nerds as we are to find everything that we can find and support it. And I think the only way we do that now, right, is doing these podcasts. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you, Pat? I was going to say I'd be more, I would buy more and rent more if it was readily available. But I find myself like, I'll go see something in the theater before the pandemic like a the climax or the lighthouse or a high life. I'd love to go see that stuff and support the artists there. But when it's like a, I I've been searching high and low online for uh, Avalon by Mamoru Oshii. Mm. And then I got so desperate, like I couldn't find any torrents or downloads. I couldn't pirate it. And there's another film by him called Talking Head. And then uh, I just wanted to watch them. I I got so desperate, I paid money for a probably illegally burnt DVD of Avalon (laughs) to get mailed to me. (laughs) But the DVD is on Region 2, I believe. And not Region 1. So you can't watch it? No, I got my computer doesn't let me read it. My driver, my, my DVD driver on my computer is programmed to prevent me from doing it unless I do serious alterations my home dvd players my old ones they don't play it my game systems don't play it oh no so i paid i paid like 20 dollars for what i thought was like a like film i couldn't even download but i have the film but i don't have any means of playing it and i would have just paid i would have paid ten dollars to just be able to stream it or no three dollars to stream it ten (laughs) dollars to get a digital copy even (laughs) you got your bid (laughs) you got your your set amount of money that you would pay to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Because <laughs> if it was available to me, I'd watch it. If it was available, the price should be low as a result. Exactly. Because the, the Talking Head one is a. I can get that as a collector, like Mamoru Oshi collectors, fucking film collection DVD of like three of the Red Spectacles movies, Talking Head, and I think Ghost in the Shell, One in Innocence. But that's like uh, pushing $800, I think, last time I checked. And like, I, I want to watch Talking Head, but I don't want to spend $800 to watch it. See, and um, the reason why I bring this up is because 
to me, I feel like piracy is incredibly important. And I know that that's kind of a, a, a questionable take on the subject. But I feel like it's important to film in any sort of media because it's a means of preservation. And I feel like the fact alone that a movie gets preserved or any form of media, um, whether it's um, like a knockoff of a painting or um, a, a bootleg of a concert or something like that, that was like in the 1970s that can't be found anywhere else. I feel like it's important to preserve those instances and especially for movies too because there's so many movies that I would not have been able to see otherwise if I hadn't gone through my own methods of seeking out the movie because I mean like was mentioned with you know earlier some movies are just so difficult to find that it's near impossible to watch them without pirating them or streaming them in some other form of uh, way. Like, for me, I know that, like, Confessions was, like, one of those movies. Uh, and and also, come and, like, for the longest time, Come and See was, like, one of those movies for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, even with, like, old-school anime and stuff like that, like, I've been getting deep into anime recently, especially with the with the Gundam series, and if it were readily available for me to have it included in a streaming service or to be able to rent or buy it, I would do that, like, easily to support whoever it is that is in control of the, I guess, the licensing for it, to let them know that, hey, I am a supporter for this. Please continue to create these sorts of things. Or, you know, I I just want to show my support for it. And I feel like lately we're in, like, the golden age of streaming and being able to watch anything that our hearts desire you know minus like some things that have gotten lost to time um ben's uh who is who is a friend of the show he was telling me about uh john cassavetti's um film shadows and he was giving me a little bit of history on it and he said that uh john cassavetti's you know was on a subway one time and he had the only reel of this movie of this iconic movie you know now in 2021 um shadows and he left it on the subway and (laughs) that was his only print (laughs) and then um it was like lost and then apparently like after like x amount of years somebody who came across it on the subway actually submitted it to Criterion or, you know, it, it found its way to Criterion and was actually be, it was actually able to be preserved and to be uploaded to the streaming service to where millions of people have access to it. And to me, it just gets me thinking about like all of the movies that could have been life changing experiences for an individual like it makes me think about all of the all of the ones that have been lost purely due to unfortunate circumstances whereas like the ones that have been able to survive across who knows how many different transitions of technology of getting it out to the masses it's just like i i yearn for the for the lost for the lost uh, masterpieces that I could have enjoyed, but I will never get to experience. However, I'm not letting that sour my experience because it's making me even more grateful for the things that have made its way into um, society. Like even just Amazon alone taking 
the rights to the Rebuild series, which for, for Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion, like it's common knowledge that those movies have been insanely hard to find. Um, they're, they aren't in print, or they weren't in print anymore. Um, and the fact alone that like now they're readily available to be streamed by a whole new generation fills my heart with like so much joy and i originally viewed those movies through alternative means like it was because i was that desperate to watch these movies because it that series had like such a profound effect on me and it still does um and even like some of the mo some of the other movies that have like that hold a very genuine place in my heart I had to go out of my way to actually search for them. Like, like, uh, Pat, you were talking about Mamoru Oshii, like with Angel's Egg. Like, Angel's Egg, yeah, Angel's Egg is a treasure in animation. Like, I cannot for the life of me tell you what it is, what it's about, but I can safely say that coming out of the experience of watching that movie, it has changed the way that I view animation and even art in general. Um, purely through uh, art that doesn't have dialogue or any sort of like um, clear or uh, any sort of um, clear cut uh, way of expression of of expressing the message, you know. And um, I don't know. I feel like piracy has done much more good than it has harm in the end. And that's my that's my own stance on it. Yeah, I wanted to jump in because like, I know is it uh Amazon. I need to confirm how true this is, but I've I had heard that uh Avatar by Cameron on Amazon had had the uh remember the scene with the hair by bonding? The, like uh the love scene mm-hmm. i think so yeah i i can't remember if that had been taken out or the part where he bonds with like the the animal or the dragon right like they had removed like amazon the distributor had ta- had they had bought the licensing but they had altered the original or just like the, the theater version that is horrible yeah like tv tv does it but they do a little disclaimer at this Oh, man, that's a good point that you bring up, Pat. Because, uh, yeah, not being able to own these films or not having the physical copies, um, there is a downside to streaming them or to getting them from Netflix or Disney or Amazon because they do get to have their own edits as well. I think that ha- that's happened to a few movies on like HBO Max and stuff. They'll like have their own edits as well. They'll change like the aspect ratio or something. And, yeah, um, which it, it feels like it completely alters the original vision for the piece itself. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. There, yeah. There is certainly pros and cons to being able to pay for the product that you want but sometimes there isn't like it, it yeah it's strange we were talking we we're talking about topics that are bordering on this gray area of like is right is it wrong but like what we do get isn't always the authentic copy or it isn't always the what the artist intended yeah it's like when production companies step in right there's three blade runners now yeah, we get a studio-made version. Rarely do we get, like, a director's-made version. I mean, which is great that we can get a director's cut and stuff. But, like, that doesn't get to happen for every director, you know? Very true. Yeah, man. You, you know what that gets me thinking about is... um, I mean, it sounds kind of like... Um, 
I don't know. I'm just going to say it. Um, it makes me remember the times of being in like my history class in middle school and being told a certain thing, like a certain series of events that have happened. And then finding out later on, oh, there was much more to the story than what I learned in the textbook. And it makes me wonder about all the things that have been swept under the rug, so to speak, over time, in terms of like history, art, and everything since the inception of modern, modern civilization. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know, it, it... Another thought that comes to mind is... Whoever is in control of the mass media at the time has free reign over information. And that, to me, I personally view as an... as a very important responsibility to maintain and with and withhold or uh and to uphold i should say but also it's what's uh was it dawkins mm-hmm. Richard dawkins the 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 evolutionary natural selection of uh symbols and messages or media mm-hmm. like it's the memes check like inherently there's going to be a filter system for what is resonating through society and what a beautiful art is abandoned or, or just lost like a beautiful bird that finds itself in the desert and stuff like that but also like we've even i feel we even evolved beyond that where there's like there's purposeful like we've evolved media and memes have evolved to like communities meant to be they're being segregated and controlled and it's reflective of our own society like the hollywood system the oscars like best picture and then there's also best foreign picture but like the implicit weight that best picture has over the other one american exceptional all that crazy stuff mm-hmm. i wish there was just like criterion for everything i know just just Even the, um... the bad stuff Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because even a bad movie that is capable of conjuring a discussion for who knows how long. Like, I mean, the first movie that comes to mind is The Room mm-hmm. by Tommy Wiseau. And. Legendary director, auteur. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, those movies are just as important as the ones that have you know, won countless awards because it's like, if it's capable of conjuring discussion, then that alone is, is invaluable. Like, I feel that way, even like, I don't know, just reflecting on past movies that I've seen recently. Um, and to me, I feel like it's a, it's a very, it's a pipe dream, but I genuinely wish that all art would be free to consume by anyone who chooses to engage with it. Because isn't that the goal of art is to share it with others at the, you know, what, isn't that what it all boils down to in the end of sharing a connection across who knows how many miles, um, countries, uh, decades, who knows? Like, I feel like it's all about just bridging gaps between the human experience. And to me, I feel like so long as it's preserved and it's shared, that is the most important part that a curator can do for the public and society as a whole. Like, I mean, and, you know, which gets me on the topic of, um, criteria of like, uh, services like the Criterion Channel of Mubi, um, Netflix, like all these other different subscription services where they go through and handpick movies that, and, um, of course, like different series that, uh, 
they personally view as valuable. I mean, that's even what we do on this podcast. Like, we handpick movies and things that we feel are have inherent value that we would like to share with others. And I don't know. I feel like it's important to do that. To even if it even if it enriches the life of one individual, like that compared to enriching enriching the life of of a million individuals, to me they're exactly the same. You know, just so long as it as it bridges a gap. Do, do you hear that sound, Kevin? What was that? Do you hear that sound? What the sound? So- sound of pitchforks and torches. And people who think this guy sounds like a communist and we live in a capitalist society. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I do agree with some of that sentiment that you're you're saying though. Um you know, that I think in an ideal ideal world, yeah, we, we're able to share unique art and being able to express that freely and have everyone be able to view it. Um, but unfortunately, like, we know a lot of artist types, right? And we know a lot of people who are struggling to express and to get themselves out there. Um, yeah, and we, we're talking about high art. Like, we're talking about film, right? Film, man... I mean, there are film that comes in low and high art. So, like, there is, it's so varied. And, um, it's not to say, like, high art film is better than low art film, right? Because, like you said, the room is just as important to view as some of these other films. Um, but for many different reasons. And, um, man, yeah, again, we're, we're just in the, that territory where it's just hard to discuss like should art be viewable to everyone in the world or does it only belong i don't know but then again like it's saying only maybe the one percent are able to consume certain art you know um shit that's hard that's hard to say see Um, and and these are my favorite types of discussions purely for that reason where we don't arrive at like a solidified answer it's more of like an exploration of it and we come to terms with what it is that we can safely deem as true versus what we cannot mm-hmm. and i feel i feel like there's a huge imbalance on that because like the truth who knows what the truth is about anything, right? Um, blue isn't necessarily blue. Blue is just a word that we came up with to describe the image that we see that is blue. <laughs> you know, which that statement is already flawed <laughs> right yeah. after saying it. But Or even, even time itself is subjective. We, mm-hmm. as humanity, created clocks... exactly and and even with films too like you can watch a movie at a certain time in in your life and then come back to it like a day or a week month years later and have a completely different experience with the same exact movie and that is the thing that I absolutely adore about filmmaking is that it never changes. However, your perspective is constantly changing. So basically, at the end of the day, uh, film is absolute truth. And keep pirating until you can get jail time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep keep buying those VPNs. <laughs> <laughs> so um with that being said should we be closing up because I, I think that was a really great um discussion we just had yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who's still listening, uh, we appreciate you being a supporter of the of the podcast. A lot of us just do this. I mean, all of us just do this out of our free time and for our love of talking about this sort of content and also just hanging out with each other. Um, if you want to hang out with us, you're more than welcome to. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you can reach out to us via email or uh, Instagram or any other sort of platform. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you again for having us be a part of your daily lives and we're looking forward to making new episodes and to seeing perhaps a few of you as a guest and yeah if you're a listener out there who we don't know directly and you're just a fan uh, it means a lot and get your ass on the podcast I want everyone who we don't know directly to be on that's the end goal for me now I completely agree, Pat. I completely agree. Yes. Uh, Hold on to your butts. (laughs) And uh, with that being said, so long until the next episode. Take care.